You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Listen. Hello, my radio friends. Welcome to the program today, and I hope you will benefit from what you hear. What we're dealing with in this program is about listening. Listening is in many ways the same as hearing, but implies a conscious effort to understand and comprehend what is heard. To commence today, I want to share a silly story. When Beethoven passed away, he was buried in a churchyard. A couple of days later, the town drunk was walking through the cemetery and heard some strange noises coming from the area where Beethoven was buried. Terrified, the drunk ran and got the priest to come and listen to it. The priest bent close to the grave and heard some faint, unrecognisable music coming from the grave. Frightened, the priest ran and got the town magistrate. When the magistrate arrived, he bent his ear to the grave, listened for a moment and said, Ah, yes, that's Beethoven's Ninth Symphony being played backwards. He listened a while longer and said, There's the Eighth Symphony, and it's backwards too. Hmm, most puzzling. So the magistrate kept listening. There's the seventh, the sixth, the fifth. Suddenly the realisation of what was happening dawned on the magistrate. He stood up and announced to the crowd that had gathered in the cemetery, My fellow citizens, there's nothing to worry about. It's just Beethoven decomposing. The Bible has a lot to say about hearing, that is, listening. It also has quite a lot to say about what should happen as a result of listening. It is said that people see what they want to see and especially hear what they want to hear. That's because of the opinions already formed in their world view. For example, if I was to show you a marine fossil embedded in a piece of sandstone rock, You might think, if you believed in evolution, that would be evidence for a very old world. On the other hand, if I was to show the same fossil in the same rock to a creationist, he or she would accept that it was evidence for creation and the Bible account of a worldwide flood. We all seem to have built-in filters and take notice of those things that we relate to and we filter out those things we don't relate to. The Gospel of John, chapter 8 and verse 47, explains what happens in a spiritual sense. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them, speaking to the audience, is that you are not of God. There is a totally different reaction to the Word of God, the Bible, by someone who's worldly and doesn't take God into account. One hears and accepts, the other disregards God's Word. When someone hears the message of the Gospel, 
the good news of salvation, it is wise to have an open mind. To come with a mind that's already made up will achieve very little. It's one thing to hear, but it's another to receive, that is, to accept what you hear. In Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, are some wise words that we would do well to consider. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. To reject what you hear without considering it, seriously, is a bad mistake. Alternatively, to internalise, to consider and digest what you hear, is wise, especially as it relates to the Word of God. And here is a plea from the psalmist who realises the depth and goodness of God. His statement is found in Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. Make me, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. And then in Psalm 119, verses Verse 105 is this short statement about hearing what God has to say. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There seems to be a direct relationship between the breakdown of morals in society and the rejection of God. According to the McCrindle Report, it says, while it is a stretch to describe 21st century, century Australia as a Christian country, the national data on religious identity from the 2011 census shows that the majority of Australians, at 61.1%, identify their religion as Christianity. More than a quarter of the population, that's 25.3%, identify as Catholic, with the second most common Christian affiliation being Anglican at 17.1%, and the third is the Uniting Church at 5%. The most common non-Christian religions were Buddhism, 2.5%, Islam, 2.2%, and Hinduism, 1.3%. Not only is the total proportion of Australians identifying with a Christian denomination 24 times larger than the second most common religion, Buddhism, but Christianity is eight times larger than all non-Christian religions combined. The fastest growing religion as identified over the last two census has been Hinduism which has increased from 07 to 
an increase of over 127,000 adherents. However, the biggest growth in total numbers has been the rise in no religion, from 18.7% in 2006 to 22.3% in 2011, which represents an increase of more than 1 million people over this time, from 3.7 million to 4.8 million. Not only does most of Australia identify with Christianity, but more than half, that's 55%, of the population believes in God, as defined as the creator of the universe, the supreme being. Regular church attendance has been declining over the past few generations and is more than halved in around four decades from one in three Australians, that's 36% in 1972, to one in six, that's 15%, according to the National Church Life Survey in 2011. While in decline, the total number of churchgoers nationally total around 3.6 million Australians, which makes church much more attended than any other Australian religion, like professional sport. With that information in mind, and the trend towards secularism, is it any wonder that we are experiencing an increase in lawlessness in this country? Okay, we'll go on with us hearing God later. But I've heard a number of people question whether God hears them or not. Such remarks sometimes go like this. Oh, I I pray to God, but it, it feels like my prayers go no higher than the ceiling. Now, my listeners, here is a promise found in 1 John 5.14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Did you notice that bit? That we ask according to his will. But, 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 wait a bit, you might be thinking. Isn't there somewhere in the Bible where we're admonished to ask and then you will receive? Yes, that verse is in Matthew 7, verse 7, where Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. You need to understand that this promise is not an open bank account where you can ask for anything and God will give it to you. No, it must be according to his will. Perhaps you've prayed, asked that you might win the lottery, and probably many other people have. Do you know that many lottery winners have had very unhappy lives after winning such large sums of money? Marriages break up, friendships break up, families break up. And then... You've got to consider how God has to handle all those prayer requests to all those would-be lottery winners. 
They can't all win. God hears, but does not always answer in the way we might like him to. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes it's no. And sometimes he says, you are not ready yet. The best plan is to present your requests to God who hears and accept that his will be done. Psalm chapter 37, verses 7 to 9. This is what it says. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. If you sincerely approach God and are willing to accept his will, you need not fret. Leave it to him. He may surprise you. I think it's a bad mistake to approach God and tell him what to do. God knows what's best. Even hardship in your life may be better for you than ease and comfort, because when everything is going well, that's when you least rely on God. Now we come to a big issue about listening, and we're going to deal with this straight after the break. There's times when I've trembled And my mind remembered The days that I just crumbled away With nothing to show But these lines that I know Are beginning to show in my face Better Christian, and I ain't got much coming today. But send down some sunshine and throw out the lifeline, keep me from blowing away. On the slightest of notions 
And the first easy loving I found Soon all the good times Hey times and play times Like colors run together and fade So what is this big issue about listening? Well, it's found in this Bible statement found in Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 1 and 2. and says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. The issue is about doing, about obeying. Did you notice that we're admonished to keep all his commandments? To hear and not obey is a recipe for disaster, just as occurred with Harry Truman in May 18, 1980. Harry Truman was the friendly 84-year-old owner of the rustic Mount St. Helens Lodge on the old south shore of Spirit Lake. The lodge was his home, and his 16 cats were his family. He'd spent a lifetime on the slopes of Mount St. Helens and considered the mountain a friend. Thus, when the volcano awoke early in 1980, Harry and his cats would not leave. As spring progressed, volcanic activity grew terrifyingly violent, and the governor of the state of Washington established restricted entry zones around the mountain with the intent of evacuating everyone except a few scientists and security personnel. May 17, 1980, state officials tried for what turned out to be the last time to get Harry to leave, but he'd not go. Early the next morning, Mount St. Helens exploded. The whole north side of the mountain collapsed in a giant avalanche of rock and debris that roared across the lodge at speeds of near 160 kilometres per hour, obliterating the lodge and burying the site to a depth of about 50 metres. No trace was ever found of Harry or his cats. Deuteronomy chapter 13 verse 4 is a further reminder of what we should do in response to what the Lord tells us. It says, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. 
It's important to obey what God tells us to do. Otherwise, we become like Harry Truman, who heard the warnings of the expected eruption of Mount St. Helens, but would not heed the warnings. Jesus said, as recorded in Luke 11.28, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And he also said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall, just like Harry. I once knew a man who said that he was a non-practicing Christian. What did he mean? I think he meant that he identified as a Christian but did not follow Christian principles and beliefs. I think his statement really meant that he was not a Christian because I don't know how anyone could claim to be a Christian without taking on the Christian lifestyle which includes adhering to and doing God's will. And this is something else I find difficult to understand because I've heard so-called Christians say, oh, the commandments of God are no longer necessary because they were nailed to the cross. Of course, that assertion is a load of rubbish. God's moral law was never removed. The ceremonial law in regard to animal sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins was removed because Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was the fulfilment of all that the ceremonies pointed to. Take out God's moral law, and obedience becomes obsolete. Take out God's moral law, and there's no identifier of sin. And with no sin, there's no need of a saviour. And with no need of a saviour, Christianity would be a farce. I deplore the shallow thinking of many who call themselves Christians. Another statement I heard a so-called Christian gentleman say was that when someone gets saved, Jesus does it all. I think he meant that because someone becomes saved, they are locked in for good. It therefore becomes unnecessary to make any personal effort for one's spiritual improvement. And from what I understand... This kind of teaching is quite common in many Protestant churches. But, my friends, that is a false teaching. The Apostle Paul reminds us, Therefore, my beloved, just as always you have obeyed, not only as in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And that's in Philippians 2.12. To accept Christ is to obey him. It means taking charge of your salvation by making deliberate choices and acting on them. Christianity is not like drifting in a canoe down a river. It's more like paddling upstream against the current. Personal effort is involved. A final word about listening. Hearing is found in James 1.22 
to 25. It says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Hearing only means nothing. Doing is what counts. So, if you know what's right, you must do it. God judges us by what we do, not just on what we hear. I love to tell the story